Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good morning. Even I was surprised by how short that reading was. <laughs> and I've had my head in it all week. Um, it is very good to be here with you all this morning. Um, if you've been journeying with us over the last few weeks, you will know that we've looked at God's call on us as his people. Uh, if you can cast your minds back, we've thought about God's call on us to listen and God's call on us to follow Jesus. And last week, we were thinking about God's call on us to serve as we went into the centre for the ministry fair. And as Jane said, today we're going to think about God's call on us to be generous. And uh, this, as you probably well know, is one of the many passages where Jesus speaks about generosity and money. And in fact, he talks more about money than any other topic apart from the kingdom of God. So 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus gives are about money and possessions. So whilst we might not be very forthcoming at speaking about money, Jesus is. And uh, so we're going to think about that today. And as we think about what it means to be Christ-like, it's no surprise that we are called to be generous people. We're called to give financially. And you might be asking the question, well, why does financial giving to the church matter? And primarily I want to say that it's when we give financially, we are making a statement about our trust in Christ. We're making a statement about who we believe provides for us. We are literally putting our money where our mouth is in terms of our faith. Martin Luther, you might have heard this, spoke about the three conversions necessary for followers of Jesus. Number one, conversion of the heart. Number two, conversion of the mind. And yes, you've guessed it. Number three, conversion of the wallet or the purse, maybe we should say. Jesus asked that rich young ruler to be prepared to give up everything, everything, in order to follow him. And through it, Jesus is saying to you and me, who do you love more? Your money or the Lord? And who are we trusting in to provide for us? Is it ourselves and our own ability to generate money? Or do we actually trust with everything we've got in God? Jesus, as you know, never said that money or wealth are wrong or evil, but he knows the dangers here in our hearts that we can end up trusting in material things rather than God himself. And in our Western, consumerist, individualistic society, it is a huge risk. You know, the world is crying out, saying, more, 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 more money, more possessions. What you need is more, and that will give you fulfillment, satisfaction, joy, and the list goes on. But actually, I would say this drive for more binds us, and it blinds us spiritually. 
And we're quite good at pointing out when we see greed in other people, but we're not so good at seeing greed in ourselves. And so if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to be free from what Jesus describes as thorns that choke the plant or the deceitfulness of wealth, if we want the antidote to greed, then we need to learn about what it means to be generous. And these four verses in Mark chapter 12 teach us what that looks like. So let's pray and then let's have a look at these verses together. Lord, you care deeply about our hearts, about our place of trust, and ultimately our faith in you. And so, Lord, as you so often do, would you use these words of Scripture to hold up a mirror to our lives and our hearts, that this morning we would hear you and see you, And that you would do some heart surgery in each one of us. Stretching us and growing us to be more like you. Generous in every way. And we ask this in your name, Jesus, and for your glory. Amen. So maybe I could start uh, with some questions as we look at this passage. I wonder how generous you are. Perhaps I could ask you, what is the most financially generous thing that you have done this year? Have a think. What's the most generous you've been this month or even this weekend? If I asked you, are you being generous when you think about your giving to church? What would you say? Through these verses that uh, Arvon read to us, in Mark's gospel, do keep them open, by the way, Um, what we see first is that Jesus sees everything. Jesus sees everything. And to understand the context of these words in Mark 12, we need to sort of turn back a bit. So do open a Bible, whether it's paper version or on your phones, and have a look back. And If these verses at the end of chapter 12 mark the end point of a section, it begins in Mark chapter 11, verse 15. So you can flick to that if you like. Um, Chapter 11, verse 15. And it's those well-known verses when Jesus drives out those who are buying and selling in the temple. And in the middle of this section, we can see the parable of the tenants at the beginning of chapter 12. And then in verses 38 to 40, we can see Jesus berating the teachers of the law. So the section just before our reading, chapter 12, verses 38 to 40. And he's berating the teachers of the law because they're walking around in their flowing robes, looking very important, taking the most important seats in the temple, and we read, devouring the widows' houses. And this is critical that we understand this as we think about these words that uh, we've just read together. So in other words, instead of helping the widows in their time of need, 
The teachers of the law are robbing them of their inheritance. And so the whole system was broken. And the religious leaders were corrupt. And then we read in verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and he watched the crowd putting their money in. Now Jesus knows what he's doing. He chooses to sit right in front of the place where people are putting in their money. And um, I don't know whether this illustration is going to work. I realised as I picked this up this morning, it just looks like a dog bowl, but this is going to be maybe helpful for the purposes of this illustration, assuming it doesn't all slide off the top here. And uh, in the temple, there would have been 13 large boxes that were used for collecting money. And apparently they were shaped, uh, they, they looked like a trumpet. They're in the shape of a trumpet. And I did think of asking Stephen Booth whether I could borrow his trumpet this morning. But I realise if I start dropping coins down the end of it, that probably wouldn't go very well. Um, but uh, in amongst the, all that was going on outside the temple, people would have come and they would have had sort of fistfuls of coins. And, and they would have walked up to one of these um, boxes and put their money in, you know, and it would have made quite a lot of noise as they were doing it. People putting in their offerings, you get the point. But in amongst all the din, of, there would have been shouting and talking and animals making all manner of noises. We read in verse 42, if you have a look, Jesus hears and sees something quite different. And what we read is that a poor widow came and she put in two very small copper coins. And compared to the noise of some others, this would have sounded very different. Because this was a very different kind of offering from someone in a very different situation with a very different heart. We don't know much about this woman. We know that she was widowed. She had very little. And she was probably powerless. And she throws in these two very small copper coins. And it's the King James Version that refers to these as mites. And so hence we get the story known as the widow's mite, the smallest of Greek coins. Just for integrity's sake, I have to add, this is a euro cent, not a, <laughs> a Greek coin. But the point is, Jesus sees it all. He sees what's going on in the life of this woman And he saw what no one else saw on that day. He sees straight to her heart. And he sees her faith and her sacrifice and her trust in God to provide for her. 
And for you and me, this truth that God sees it all, that Jesus sees it all, is both an encouragement and I find a warning because the Lord sees everything. He sees what we're doing. He sees our hearts. He sees whether we are motivated by joy as we give our offerings, if we give one, or whether we're just a bit reluctant. He sees it all. That is the first thing. Jesus sees it all. Secondly, Jesus wants us to give our all. Another question for you. I wonder how much your giving to church costs you. And I don't mean how much you're actually giving in pounds sterling. I mean, how does it feel when you give? Do you even notice the money going out of your bank account? Do you feel the cost of giving? Because if you don't notice the money going out and there isn't a, a cost, a sense of almost pain in giving, then that is not sacrificial giving. Ultimately, Jesus wants to know from me and you, as we give, how much do we love him? That's what this is about. It's about our love and trust in him. So if you have a look back in chapter 12 to starts in verse 28, you'll read that Jesus replies to one of the teachers of the law by giving the most, the greatest commandment, as it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is all about our love for the Lord. And actually giving is a test of our love for God. Because we tend to, if you think about it, spend our disposable income after rent or mortgage, if you have those costs, we spend what is left on those things that we tend to love. And so I want you to think about what do you spend your money on? What do you prioritize in terms of your disposable income? What's top of the list and what's bottom of the list? Does God get your first and best offering? Or do we just give him the bit that's left? Our giving is a good diagnostic as to what is going on in here in our hearts. And many people say, well, I can't afford to give to church. David, if only you understood my constraints... And I would point you quickly to this. The widow had next to nothing. She didn't know where probably her food was coming from. She probably had very little financial security, no money in the bank. No capital in a building. And yet her faith led her to say, I trust you, God. You are my provider. A 
And ultimately, our giving is a response to what God has done for us. This is where our focus needs to be. You know, God has paid the ultimate cost. Though Jesus was rich, he became poor for your sake and for mine. He came and lived and died and rose again so that through his poverty, we can be rich spiritually. And whilst we were lost, he found us. While we were held captive, he freed us. And while we were alone, he came as our loving father and put his arms around us and said, you are my daughter, you are my son, and I love you. And it's this perspective that we need to have as we think about giving. Because to be Christ-like means to be generous. To be Christ-like means to be willing to sacrifice. And to be Christ-like means to be willing to give it all away. You know, Jesus didn't say to the rich young ruler, give it all away. He said, are you willing? Where is your heart? And Jesus turns to the disciples, having seen the widow's offering, and have a look at verse 44. I'm going to read you the the message translation. And Jesus says this, all the others gave what they will never miss. But she gave extravagantly what she could not afford. She gave her all. And God is calling you and me to give our all. And sometimes people say to me, David, you know, can I just ask a question? You know, is it, is it 10% before tax or after tax? And I want to say this about tithing. In the New Testament, tithing is not the ceiling. It's not the maximum amount. It's actually the floor. It's the minimum. We need to look to the cross. See what Jesus has done for you and me. That is where our focus is. Not on pre-tax or post-tax. And I want to encourage you all. Greyfriars and New Hope are an exceptionally generous church. And I want to thank all of you who are sacrificially giving. But like every church up and down this land, the truth is not everybody is giving regularly. And so I want to encourage you, if this is your home church, if you've joined recently, if you've been here for months or years and you haven't set up your regular giving, can you take one of these? They're at the back of church by the welcome sign. They're on the round table in the atrium and set up some regular giving. It's between you and God how much. But I want to remind you again that as far as God is concerned, this is good enough. We just need to be faithful to what God is prompting us to give. And it might be that you're here and you've been giving faithfully for five or ten years and you've sort of thought, tick, I am giving. My heart is in the right place. And and in a way, we all fall into this one. But actually, can you also go home and pray as an individual, as a couple, as a family, and ask God, could we stretch a bit more? Is there more that we could be doing, Lord, to give sacrificially? Because the truth is, nobody else is going to give to Greyfriars 
out there. I can assure you there is a long line of people who want to receive from Greyfriars, and they knock on my door every day. David, can you give to this charity or this church or this cause? But nobody else is going to give to Greyfriars. It's only God's provision through your generosity. And in a minute, we're going to hear from Sven Lewis, who is our treasurer, who's going to share about where we are at financially as a church. But actually, to fulfil what God is calling us to, our vision to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus, to, to see us equip all God's people, and that's from the youngest, the, the babies, through the children and the youth and the students, right through to our oldest members, our pastoral care, to reach out in mission, as Margaret was praying for, for those in our parish, those who are poor and homeless, poor spiritually, and then to resource the wider church, to do all these things, involves all of us giving, being generous as the body of Christ together. I just want to finish by saying this. Financial generosity does benefit and sustain and grow the mission and the ministry of the church. It helps us fulfill God's call and grow his kingdom. But what I want to say to you, to the people of Greyfriars who I know and love, is this is primarily about your heart. Because it is vital for your spiritual health and growth that you give, that I give. Generosity is first and foremost about our hearts giving in response to what Jesus has done for us. So I'm going to invite Sven to come and just paint a bit of a picture of where we are at as a church financially. And then we're going to take some time to pray. And I'm just going to give us some space so that we can commune with God and hear from him. But Sven, can we just give Sven our brilliant treasure a round of applause? Morning, everyone. So, Greyfriars Finances. Uh, can I have the next slide, please? So, you see on the screen in front of you a pie chart which shows our forecast expenditure for 2023. Now, these numbers are for Greyfriars Church only. They don't include the nursery. They don't include the missionary trust. So, as you see, the church's expenditure is forecast to be a little over £1.1 million in 2023 with the costs split broadly between 25% for running our buildings, 25% for the people and operations who make things happen, and 50% for doing the work of mission and kingdom building. If we can have the next slide, please. On this slide, you see our income for 2023 is forecast to be £1,040,000, of which about two-thirds comes from our regular giving and the related gift aid, and the remaining third comes from the atrium, center, and other income. This means we have a shortfall in income this year of about 67,000 pounds. Now, some of you may think these expenditure and income numbers look familiar, 
and weren't we in a similar position about this time last year? And if you are thinking that, then yes, the numbers probably do look familiar to you, and we have been here before. So if we go on to the next slide, I'll explain what I mean by that. So if we look at expenditure first, we took a hard look at our expenditure last year, and some of you may recall that we took a number of cost-saving actions, some of which were really not easy. However, offsetting these costs during 2023, we've incurred new costs, which we simply didn't have in the previous year, and these include the operating costs for our fantastic new center, and I should emphasize that the numbers we're talking about here, they relate to the center's operating costs only. These numbers have nothing to do with the cost of the redevelopment or the building work. These are just operating costs. We've also incurred business rates in respect of the Atrium Cafe, which we were not assessed for last year, and are which are not insignificant at about 20,000 pounds, and our parish share has increased in line with guidance from the diocese. In addition, our underlying reduced cost base has been impacted by the high inflation which all of us have experienced over the last year. Churches, unfortunately, are not exempt from inflation. So the net result of all these moving parts is that the cost savings we've made have been entirely offset by inflation and by the new costs, and our forecast expenditure for 2023 is the same as last year at 1.1 million pounds, which is why the expenditure number might look familiar to you. If we look at the income side then, you'll recall that when we found ourselves in a similar shortfall position last year, there was a very generous, what we might call, surge in giving, which closed the church's income gap in 2022. Unfortunately, that surge hasn't turned into a sustained increase in giving, and we find ourselves in the same position as we did last year, facing into a shortfall in income. Perhaps we could go to the next slide, please. Now, many of you will be aware that Greyfriars, like every other Anglican church, receives no long-term external funding. We have to fund ourselves. The cafe and the bookshop in the atrium and the new center are not yet in a position where they're covering their costs, let alone generating surplus income. And in all transparency, they probably won't be in a position to do so for several years to come. So the reality we find ourselves in, and the challenge we have, is that closing this funding gap falls to us. So how do we respond? Needless to say, David and the clergy team and the PCC and I, we'd all ask everyone to pray, first and foremost, and to give prayerful consideration to how each of us can respond to this challenge. If you're already giving to the church, thank you. And I'd ask you to prayerfully consider whether you can increase what you're giving on an ongoing basis. And if you're not giving to the church, I'd ask you to prayerfully consider starting to give to the church. But this, this is the challenge we find ourselves faced with. And perhaps with that, David, I'll hand back to you. Thank you, Sven. And do 
Well, I, I say this, Fen. Is this all right after the service if people come and yeah. ask any questions, if they have any? Any questions, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, putting you on the spot there, aren't you? Quite awkward to say no, David. Uh, or just ask me. Um, now, just before we pray, uh, we have just printed our new edition of One Family magazine. And so what I said to you a minute ago stands, keep your eyes on Jesus, number one. But also take a copy of this. They're in the uh, atrium on the round table. We've got lots of them. And take it for two reasons. One, because it will encourage you to see what God is doing through this community, mission and ministry. And in the back, you'll see a, a little summary of uh, some of the information that Sven gave on our finances. But we believe primarily that God provides for all our needs. So I'm going to suggest we just bow our heads now. And as I always say, the reason for closing our eyes is nothing more than to avoid distraction. So we can focus on the Lord. And Father, we want to come before you today, this morning, first and foremost with gratitude in our hearts. Because you have, you do, and you will provide for all our needs. You are Jehovah Jireh. For us personally, the God who provides for us in our lives individually, and the God who provides for his church locally, nationally, and globally. And Lord, we ask this morning that you would speak to us just in this moment of silence. Shine a light in our hearts, Lord. Encourage us, challenge us, speak to us. How can we be more generous and reflect you in our lives? Let's just be still and listen to God for a moment. St. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so, Lord, would you help us to be more like that widow who, with joy and trust in our hearts, gives you what we have first, that we would give our best to you, Lord, not just what's left over after we've spent everything else, but that we would come to you with joy and thanksgiving, worshipful hearts, Lord, because you have paid the ultimate price for us. And so, Lord, keep our eyes fixed upon you as we make decisions in prayerfulness about how much to give. And then we trust you, Lord. We trust you for ourselves that you will provide for us. We trust you that you will provide for the church. And fill us with joy now as we seek to be obedient and generous and Christ-like. In your mighty name, Jesus, we ask. Amen.